We all want some level of safety and security. Firefighters, construction workers, EMT. They're all there when you need them to help manage life's chaos. In retirement, you want that same level of safety, but who is there for you to make sure your money will last? Brian isn't just there in case of emergency. He's there so you don't have an emergency with your money. A safer retirement doesn't mean a boring retirement, but a prepared one full of the things that inspire you. This is Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker. Welcome to, to Safer Retirement Radio with Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker of Decker Retirement Planning. Also with us, Neil Finning from Decker Retirement. I'm Mark Elliott. Glad you're with us. If you have any questions about where you are on your road to retirement, you can always call the team at Decker Retirement. It's 833-707-3030. No cost for this chat. No pressure. No obligation. No judgment. The team doesn't know if they can help you until you reach out. So they'd love to help. They just don't know if they can. 833-707-3030. And I always remind people that it's great to go to the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Right there under that heading of DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, there is a heading of Safer Retirement Education. There are about 12 different things you could download. Uh, no cost to you, no obligation for doing so. It's really there for your own um, enjoyment, your own education of some of the challenges of retirement and some of the positives, obviously. Uh, you can get Brian's book on retirement. Just download it right there on the website, Decker Approach Book uh, to Retirement. Uh, so again, that's DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, the heading of Safer Retirement Education. There's those 12 different things you can download. So today, Brian, you and Neil are going to be chatting a little bit about estate planning, trust, who needs one, how do we figure all of that out? And then we're going to get into some client stories today on the program today. you got a lot to get to. Uh, how are you? Good. How are you, Mark? Doing well. Um, yeah, Let's. We, last week we talked about... Uh, wills, power of attorneys, living wills. And we ran out of time. We didn't get to cover the trust. So with Neil, I thought we'd start with the trust. And if anyone wants to look at the last week's show, they can go to Safer Retirement. They can look at the podcast, dial up last week's uh, podcast and kind of connect them. But Neil, um, I read a statistic that 85% of trusts that were opened or have ever have been opened, 85% of them are not funded. How easy is it to fund? Let's say you're just going to put your residence in the trust. How easy is that? Yeah, I mean, retitling the deed if you need to do that, um, really pretty easy. Uh, it probably takes maybe like a day or two to ultimately do as long as, you know, you get the process started. Retitling things really doesn't take too long. That's that's what I thought. I mean, I thought they'd just go on to the website, uh, county recorder, pull it up send over a PDF of their updated trust and boom, $65 and you're retitled. I thought it was that easy. So I just want to make sure that people know if they have a trust that they need to put things in their trust or else it's totally useless. So Neil, the trust that Diane and I have uh, is revocable. It's a revocable family living trust for Brian and Diane. Um, when I die, does it become irrevocable? It becomes irrevocable when one of the grantors or trusters passes away. Um, your wife then becomes the primary trustee. Right. And the reason that is, my understanding, I've heard horror story after horror story. Let's say uh, Diane and I will just throw ourselves under the bus here for this demonstration. But this is true. I've heard stories. I've seen this happen. So uh, I, I tell my wife, oh, I, we have a, by the way, we have older kids. She had three, I had three, we had two together. So we have a big family to divide the estate up in. And we have, um, uh, let's say that I died 
And then Diane, she falls in love with the pool guy. And the pool guy is 20 years younger than Diane. And, uh, probably about the age of our kids. By the way, my wife Diane would never do this. I'm sure of it. But um, then marrying that pool guy, um, my wife is deeply in love with him and he's deeply in love with her. And then the estate goes to the pool guy and our kids don't get anything because the pool guy outlives all our kids. So that's happened enough that now um, – it becomes a default that in any trust that's a revocable family living trust, it becomes irrevocable when one of the grantors or like you said, one of the trustees dies. So that's, that's important to know. Don't, don't worry that in the title, it says revocable. It's by default that it becomes irrevocable when one of them dies. Okay. Let's talk about, um, Neil, when it comes to, let's say you've got two kids, two or three kids, and you're going to choose one to be a successor trustee. This is a big job. I mean, they're they're going to have to retitle all the assets. They're going to have to close down accounts, move open bank accounts, distribute all the assets, sell real estate, dis, uh, distribute all the the assets, oversee the entire movement of the estate from one generation to another, and do all that with the other siblings thinking that it's equal and fair and transparent. It's a big job, don't you think? Yeah, it's a huge job. And you're kind of setting yourself up in a scenario where there's might be friction between the other beneficiaries of the estate and the trustee. Yeah. And then the siblings saying, um, you know, they, they want to make sure that it's fair. I've seen Dr. Jekyll become Mr. Hyde many times when there's an estate transfer, Neil. And these are people that um, are, they're not sure how much money their parents have, um, but they want their share and, and they just become a different person. So um, what are some of the hey, things Hey, could you that back we... up just a bit for me, just yeah. to help me yeah. here? Um, revocable versus irrevocable or vice versa. Why, what's the difference? And revocable, why... you, revocable, you can make changes to the trust and adjust to the beneficiaries are irrevocable it and you can no longer make changes to that trust and so the purpose of doing it either way is what revocable if people are still alive they might want to modify it irrevocable they can no longer modify it so in brian's example the kids would still get assets if his trust was irrevocable because diane couldn't modify the trust document so brian then that's the, your point of you guy you and your wife diane have a revocable trust now but if one of you passes it then becomes irrevocable so you couldn't buy the the pool boy either so you couldn't that wouldn't work out either right so what <laughs> oh yeah what what happens is uh you want what you agreed to to stay in place when one person dies so um that's why the, it, it defaults to being irrevocable okay so neil um when it comes to who to choose of the siblings of, of your children, um, that's, that's a big decision because whoever you choose as um, the executor or executrix of your will, no big deal. There's a pour over provision. That person really does nothing. The, the funds just pour right into the trust. Uh, but the person that handles your um, is a successor trustee of your trust is going to be doing a lot of work. So that person... We want to make sure when we talk about succession, um, so my wife and I are co-trustees. We, we run 
the trust until both of us are gone. But when both of us are gone, we have chosen someone who is left brain detailed, focused, has a get it done mentality um, as our successor trustee. You've got to be careful because if you put, if you have three kids and you want all three uh, to be co-successor trustees, what if one of them is a right brain artist who, uh, you know, really has a hard time making decisions and makes everything emotional, uh, that makes it difficult to get things done. So talk, Neil, about the importance of the succession choice when you have children with certain traits. What works, what doesn't? Yeah, and to your point, that's going to be a hard decision, um, even if the person's really detail-focused and very le- uh, left-brained. Um, there is the chance that once they have the opportunity to kind of modify things and move things around, um, they may become uh, Mr. Hyde rather than Dr. Jekyll. Um, what what you've got to consider too is that having too many cooks, let's say, in the kitchen is not a good thing. So having too many trustees can can create a problem where nothing gets done in, in an orderly fashion. Um, so there's a lot of thought to be put into how you want this to run once you pass away. Um, another option that you can consider too, and sometimes makes sense if you don't think that there is a good candidate to be successor, um, is you know bring on some sort of a corporate trustee, a law firm trustee um, to help facilitate that. And that also removes potential tension between kids um, because there is, you know, an unbiased third party making the decisions uh, on behalf of the trust document. Now, you don't want someone who's the same age as a client or because you want them one one generation younger, right? Ideally, but there is always the risk. So you got to have successor provisions in there along with, you know, who you name as successor, but provisions to elect another successor um, in case of something unexpected. So let's talk about these provisional successor trustees. If it's a CPA and attorney that's thir- in their 30s, that's great. Um, they could do it. Um, ideally, you want your kids in there, but if, if your kids are not an option or if you don't have kids, successor trustees can be um, your CPA, your attorney if they're younger. When it comes to corporate trustees, be very, very careful. Um, some of the corporate trustees will charge 1% of the estate assets per year, even while you are alive. When they are listed, their quote-unquote liability, they charge 1% on all the assets per year. So in a million dollars, you're looking at $10,000 per year, and they do nothing. And then they also require that you custodian all of your investments. So let's call, let's say, XYZ Bank. Um, if you choose them as a successor trustee, they require you to have all your investments under them. They get paid once. And then they charge you the custodian fee. They get paid twice. And then when uh, you pass away, um, there's there's also fees that go with transferring the estate. So we want to warn people that if they're going to go the custodian uh, successor trustee route, there are good choices out there, but make sure the first thing you ask about is what their fees are. And you want their fees to be charged only in the years that they're transferring assets. And even then, it, should, it shouldn't be more than, I don't know, ten or 15000 in total fees. And they shouldn't require you, hold you hostage on your investments. Anyhow, I've heard enough horror stories on that. Um, 
When it comes to the kids, though, back to the successor trustee of the trust, that choice, the benefit of if you've got two or three kids and you choose all of them, you have great transparency benefits of having all of them see what's being what's being done in the transfer of the estate. There's total transparency. There's no trust issues um, because everyone is participating. When you the disadvantage is getting it done in a in a period of time and having agreement, like you said, uh, Neil. But then the advantage of having a one get it done type of personality is that you'll get it done. It'll be done right. But the issue is the transparency trust issue where the other kids are not involved. The other siblings are questioning everything you're doing. You want to make sure that that transparency is there. Any any other comments on the succession choice of who to choose and how to tee that up? No, but it's it's likely that um, over time you might adjust who your trustee is. Things can change. Um, so just always have that additional provision that you can elect um, a successor trustee at any point in time. So we're yeah, talking yeah. about the estate planning side of things and retirement. Uh, Neil and Brian are discussing this. We've got a lot to get to. We're just getting started. Of course, if you have any questions about this, the powers of attorney, what are the things that you need uh, in place? And then why are 80% of trusts unfunded? Brian and Neil will talk about that when we come back. But again, if you have questions, call the team at Decker Retirement. They're here to help. 833 707 3030-833-707-3030. No cost to you whatsoever. They're here to help if they can. They don't know if they can help, though, until you reach out. 833-707-3030. More of Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. We're back. Confused on when to take Social Security? Give Brian J. Decker a call at 833-707-3030. Decker Retirement Planning has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Brian Decker and the team at Decker Retirement Planning can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 833-707-2020 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings, but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Brian and the team at Decker Retirement Planning now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 833-707-2020. That's 833-707-2020. Investing involves risk. Firm offers insurance services. Decker Retirement Planning Incorporated is a registered investment advisor in the state of Utah. What if you ordered a pizza, but when you opened the box, a couple of pieces were missing? That would be upsetting, right? Now, think about how much you believe you've saved for retirement. Do you still owe taxes on that money? Brian Decker and his team at Decker Retirement Planning understand the importance of tax planning and can help you reduce the impact that Uncle Sam has on your retirement. Give them a call today to start working on your retirement tax plan. 833-707-2020. Now may be a great time to lower your future tax liability. Create a retirement plan today so that you can get as many slices of your retirement pie as possible. Call Brian at 833-707-2020 today and schedule a visit. That's 833-707-2020. Firm offers insurance services and may not give tax advice. Decker Retirement Planning Incorporated is a registered investment advisor in the state of Utah. 
You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always go to the website to learn more, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And of course, right there on that website, there is a heading of Safer Retirement Education, where there's about a dozen different things you can download, no cost to you. Brian's book on retirement, The Decker Approach, Three Principles of Retirement Book, Checklist Challenge, A Sample Income Plan, are just some of the uh, items there that you can download for your own uh, knowledge and education, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And of course, questions, we're talking about estate planning and trusts and the like, and how do we figure all this out? Do we even need a trust? 833-707-3030 is the number, no cost to chat with the team. 833-707-3030. I'm Mark Kelly. Glad you're with us today. So, Brian, I know last week we were talking about this a little bit, and you said 80% of trust go unfunded. Why and what is the reason for that? I think it's because when people get their estate documents back from their attorney, it's overwhelming to them. It, it, it's a binder. Neil, you've seen those. The binder may have six or 700 pages in it. It's all tabbed. It's their trust. It's their will. It's their copies of their power of attorney. And, and they just take it from the attorney's office and put it in the bookshelf and it gathers dust. And inside that, that they haven't opened, are all the instructions to, to fund their trust. That's my guess. Neil, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Because um, once you're going to go through the process, you're like, okay, now we're done. But really, just having that document is like the first step. You got to follow those instructions to actually get those enacted. Yep. And one more thing before we... Um, before we jump into the next part of, of, of a trust, I want to warn parents not to tell their children of about the dollar amount of their net worth. I went to high school with a friend of mine, a uh, sharp young guy. Um, his parents were very wealthy. Uh, he knew how, how much their net worth was. The parents told him. He divided by three because he had three. Uh, he was one of three siblings. And he just thought, Wow. I don't need to go to college. And he didn't. And then uh, he thought, well, I'll take some odd jobs. My parents are going to die soon. And they didn't. They lasted a lot longer than he figured. He married a beautiful girl, had a beautiful couple of daughters. His marriage broke up. He was on drugs. His life just spiraled in a different direction because he planned on just getting this inheritance. And he really focused on that rather than having his own life. So I want to warn parents not to share the dollar amount of your net worth with your children. You can share the responsibilities that they have, who's going to be a successor trustee, who's going to be an agent in your power of attorney or your living will, um, who you want as executor to your will. All of that is fine with the sharing of responsibilities and what they do, but don't share the dollar amount of your net worth. Would you agree, Neil? I mean, if if they're responsible at some point um, and you really want them to be successor, it might be good to hint at stuff. But you're absolutely right. You don't want to create a situation where somebody has an expectation um, that they'll inherit all this money and that's their retirement plan. And they look at you like, when are you going to die? I mean, it, yeah. was really sad. it was really sad for me to watch how he interacted with his parents. Okay, so now 
Actually, let's talk about the trust itself, big picture. People can go and and get their estate documents done from an attorney, and we're fine with that. We've worked with attorneys. Uh, the, the cost of putting these together is anywhere between $2,500 and $4,500, and that's fine. They have another option uh, of using legally drafted documents that are online where people can have a will for both spouses, power of attorney for both spouses, healthcare directive for both spouses, and a trust. Seven documents for about $180. So we are fiduciaries to our clients. We want to make sure they know about both options. And if there is a complicated situation where an online document is not going to work, definitely go the route of working with your estate planning attorneys. But if it's pretty much plain vanilla um, estate documents, um, at least consider the online documents that are out there. Neil, when it comes to incapacity, I've seen a lot of people list their friends to, to determine their incapacity. And I think that's a mistake. It should always say two doctors there in their trust, not Johnny or Sally who lives next door. They're, they're not medical professionals, but anyhow, we've had to correct that. Have you seen that? I haven't seen that that often, but that does sound dangerous, especially if said person is a successor on the trustee. Yeah. Uh, bingo. And now let's talk about compensation. So it says, quote, reasonable compensation is due the successor trustee for the work they do in transferring estate assets. So it says that boilerplate, quote unquote, on most all of the documents that I see. I've read hundreds and hundreds of documents in the years. I've seen successor trustees write themselves checks for twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars and call it good. There's no oversight. None of the siblings knew. And um, I, I just want to warn people against having that language in there. If you, I consider it um, when I am successor trustee for my parents' estate, I consider it an honor. There's no compensation. I consider that's that's true in in most of our culture. It's an honor to step in and transfer the assets. If most people should know that compensation causes a problems with their other siblings. So most of the time, Neil, I recommend that they strike the compensation clause just to keep peace in the family. But if they do want compensation, I recommend them that they redraft that sentence and put a specific dollar amount in there because it is a lot of work, maybe five or 10,000. If it's a big estate, maybe 15,000. Um, but then it's stated, it's the other kids can read it. There's, there's no... There's full transparency. What are your What are your thoughts, Neil, on the compensation issue? I agree. If it's so ambiguous that it's unknown, that's going to create a lot of conflict, um, especially if the person like feels like they're owed. Um, but I have seen some trusts, especially special needs trusts, um, where they they should be compensated because it becomes quite burdensome. But I do think that spelling that out eliminates any kind of conflict of interest that another beneficiary or sibling might uh, accuse the successor trustee of. So I think yep. it's important if if you are taking on a large workload um, associated with following the trust, um, being compensated, you know, should be allowed within that. Um, but it also should be well, well described. Agreed. Okay, let's uh, let's talk about another issue, and this is probably the biggest issue. We're going to run out of time on this, so before and after the break, we'll get started on this, and then we'll we'll uh, continue it 
afterwards, but this is the biggest issue that divides families where in fact, many of them don't talk to each other for, for the rest of their lives because of this one sentence. Now remember, the will on the death of a spouse pours assets, their residuary estate is poured into the trust. So everything except for their IRAs are in the trust. IRAs are separate from the trust because they are separate assets that have specific beneficiary designations. But the trust now, quote unquote, is going to divide tangible assets this way. It says, quote, tangible assets are to be divided equally. Now, this is your house, your cars, your, your, your jewelry, your artwork. Let's say you have three sons and daughters uh, and you have, they're all piano players and you have one Steinway. How can you possibly divide that equally? You can't. So you've got to have liquidation clauses because you cannot divide tangible assets equally. So here's what we recommend. And Neil, you chime in on this. Number one, house and cars are to be sold with proceeds equally divided. Number two, refer to Appendix A for specific asset transfer instructions. This is when Johnny says, Dad, can I have your car? Sally says, uh, um, Mom, can I have your wedding dress or wedding rings? It's all that personal stuff that they specifically asked for. Sentence three, anything not on Appendix A is to be sold slash donated with proceeds equally divided. Sentence four, rights of first refusal apply. This is for uh, any kids that want to keep mom and dad's house, but the other kids need the money. Well, that son or daughter, they have to buy out the other siblings, and then it's all fair. So those liquidation clauses, those four sentences, allow an equal, honorable, fair transfer of assets in their trust. So if you have any questions about any of this, the trust world can get confusing for some. Wills, powers of attorney for finances, for health care. Uh, there's a lot of documents you need in place, and it's easier to do it all at once, and you do have to put the stuff that you want in the trust actually in the trust. So there's a lot of moving parts here. If you have questions, though, call the team at Decker Retirement. They're here to help. Uh, if they can, obviously, it's 833-707-3030, 833-707-3030. There's no cost. There's no obligation for this. 833-707-3030. Now, we're just about halfway through the program, so we've got more to get to. When we come back, Brian and Neil are going to talk about some of the things that they're doing with their clients right now, some of the positive stories um, that they can share with us on the radio. They're going to do that. When we come back, this is Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. Back right after this. We all want the freedom to do the things that make us happy, especially in retirement. To get help with laying the foundation for that freedom, call 833-707-2020 to have a chat with Brian. Decker Retirement Planning has a question for you. Is your retirement inflation-proofed? Here's what we mean. In retirement, chances are you're on a fixed income with variable expenses. So how do you not run out of money when the cost of just about everything continues to go up? You inflation-proof it. Brian Decker and the team at Decker Retirement Planning can show you strategies to help combat inflation so it doesn't outpace your retirement income. Call us today at 833-707-2020 to learn more. Inflation could take a huge chunk out of your retirement savings but it doesn't have to. With some simple planning, inflation can go from being a major disruption to a minor annoyance. Call Brian and the team at Decker Retirement Planning now to start inflation-proofing your retirement today. 833-707-2020. 
That's 833-707-2020. Investing involves risk. Firm offers insurance services. Decker Retirement Planning Incorporated is a registered investment advisor in the state of Utah. Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always go to the website to learn more, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And of course, under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, there's about 12 different things you can download, including Brian's book on retirement, the Decker Approach book. You can just download the book. There's no cost to you. It's there for your information. Or you can always give them a call if you have questions, 833-707-3030, 707 30, 30, no cost, no obligation, no pressure for this either. The team is here to help. They just don't know if they can help you, though, until you reach out. 833-707-3030. I'm Mark Elliott. We've been talking about trust. And I know we're going to talk about some stories of client stories that you're going to bring to the table here in the rest of the program. But powers of attorney, I think we touched on it briefly last week, but we didn't go much into it. Could you and Neil Bryan maybe break down a little bit of the powers of attorney because there's like a financial power of attorney and there's a healthcare directive. Can you kind of clear some of that up? Yeah, we'll hit both of them. So Neil, this is where like Monty Python said, you're not quite dead yet. You're incapacitated. You're not dead. So while you're incapacitated, you need someone who stands in for you and has all the powers to act as you. That is your power of attorney. So with your power of attorney, um, if you're married, Obviously, your, your agent, your primary agent is your spouse, and then you get to choose a secondary succession. So who, who to choose is your power of attorney. Make sure that you're very careful. Again, you want to have someone who is left brain detailed, accountant type of person that can handle your affairs, write checks for you, pay your taxes, credit cards, um, can, can act as you and make those financial decisions. Now, the medical decisions, they split out, right, Neil? They have a separate healthcare directive for healthcare decisions, but we're talking about the financial uh, powers of attorney. So the first question is who to choose. Any any comments and being careful and who to choose? And do you choose one child? Do you choose all three? What, what, would, what direction would you give, Neil? Yeah, and this ties in really well kind of with the, the trust, the successor trust choices. Um, you want to pick someone who's very detailed um, and is able to, to make those decisions as needed. Um, there are kind of three layers to power of attorney, like a limited power of attorney versus full power of attorney versus durable power of attorney. Um, and each of them kind of takes on more and more responsibility from the party that owns that account outright. Um, so you really want to be specific in the person that you choose and make sure that they do have that detail focus like we we talked about before. Okay, good. On the power of attorney, I would say succession is very important that you choose that carefully. You've given us some good guidance there, Neil. Next thing is compensation. You don't know how long that person's going to live. It could be six days. It could be five months. It could be 18 months. You don't know. So that's tricky when it comes to the compensation clause reasonable compensation is what it says here too. So when it comes to reasonable compensation, I advise people, um, my clients to waive that compensation clause. We meet with their attorney. We get their feedback on this. We're not attorneys. We can't give legal advice, but we are fiduciaries and want to make sure our clients know of some of the pitfalls that we've seen when it comes to this compensation clause with the power of attorney. 
So when, a, when one child is picked as power of attorney, the other children are okay with it. But then when they see that they're getting, I don't know, any, any blank check they want, that causes problems. We're just, just saying. So when it comes to compensation, Neil, what would you say in the power of attorney document? Yeah, I, I agree. Probably waiving that makes a lot of sense um, unless it is kind of a situation where you know there will be a lot of work involved and it might make it hard for you to accomplish your own tasks. I, that's going to be a, a discussion uh, to have um, to make that kind of choice. Waiving it ultimately will eliminate that friction if any of the other uh, potential beneficiaries see that or um, siblings uh, but I do think that having something in there, if there is a lot of work involved to say that they have to run and manage your, your rentals to some capacity, um, I, I do think it's important to at least consider the amount of work that you might be putting on to, you know, one of your, your kids. Agreed. Agreed. That's good. Good, uh, good outline. When it comes to now the trigger clause, this is going to be important. What activates the power of attorney? A lot of them are active on signature, meaning as soon as you sign that, both spouses have full power to act as each other. Now, let me give you an example of how convenient it is and how dangerous it is. It's a two-edged sword. Diane and I, we have powers of attorney that are active on signature, meaning that when I am incapacitated, she doesn't have to haul me in front of two doctors, which is very emasculating because I'm going to put on my best face. Anyone would. I don't want to be shown as incompetent. I know what those two doctor visits are for. I know what I'm giving up and I don't want to give it up. I'm not incompetent and I'm going to fight it every step of the way. And it's tragic. It's heartrending. You don't want to do that. If someone is diagnosed with um, Alzheimer's or dementia, that day there should be a conversation about changing the trigger clause on the power of attorney to read no longer two doctors. It should be reading family counsel. No one knows me like my wife and kids. They know when I'm, when I'm starting to fail and they don't need to drag me in front of two doctors. So we recommend that when it comes to dementia and when it comes to Alzheimer's diagnosis, that you change the trigger clause to family counsel. That's legal, and it makes it so much easier. The second thing, and Neil, you, you chime in on this, um, the convenience of active on signature, like my wife and I have it, is a two-edged sword. It's the most convenient. She can jump in at any time because it's active on signature. But when I jump up... Um, because in the Super Bowl, my L.A. Rams just trounced her. I don't I remember who they played last year. I know the Rams Cincinnati. won. I can't remember who they played. Uh, Cincinnati? Yeah. Okay. So she. let's say that she was a big Cincinnati Bengals fan, and she dated Joe Burrows, and, and she really right. loves that team. Well, she ended up marrying me, and I ended up liking the Rams, and I danced on the table and celebrated over the top. She didn't like it. So with full legality, she cleans me out, calls me from Cabo and says, you know, I really didn't like the dancing on the table part. Now I'm in Cabo. Um, I married this guy and uh, we're going to enjoy happily ever after. And I cleaned you out because I could. And so that's the end of that. I, she could legally do that. So anyone that has, <laughs> I remember counseling. Yeah, counseling is the right word. 
I remember taking a couple through the planning process, six meetings, 90 minutes each. And in between each meeting, these, these two would call me saying, you know, I'm not sure we're going to stay married. We have a bad marriage. I don't think we're going to divorce before even your planning process is over. Well, we looked at what it said on their power of attorney, Neil, and it said active on signature. And I had to read that to them. And they both looked at each other like there was a loaded gun on the table and who's going to grab it first. It was really awkward. So if your marriage isn't rock solid, don't have active on signature. If it is rock solid, it's the most convenient trigger clause you can have. Um, but two doctors is probably the second most um, frequently used uh, trigger clause when two doctors determines incompetence, then that activates the power of attorney. Neil, I'm talking way too much. Any stories or comments on the trigger clause and the appropriate choice there for clients? No, but that that story you told resonates. I have seen situations like that. Didn't uh, didn't have a trigger clause on signature, but that kind of stuff does happen, which is unfortunate. Um, Every, everybody's situation is going to be a little bit different, kind of depending on, you know, their familial situation. And, and two doctors might make sense in some, uh, two signatures might make sense in some, or, you know, a family decision. So that's something that you've really got to consider and think about uh, when you're filling out these uh, documents and in, in the succession that you want to actually have happen. Yep. So would you okay, have somebody it... different for the medical versus the financial decisions? Yep. So, Mark, now when it comes to medical, actually, let's stay in the power of attorney because we talked about um, we talked about the trigger clause. We talked about the compensation clause. We talked about succession. Um, and those are mostly financial um, focused. Like Mark just said, what happens on the medical side? That's called a healthcare director, power of attorney, healthcare. There's different names for it. Um, but there's also three key parts to your healthcare directive. Now, this is the pull the plug document. So when it comes to the pull the plug document or your healthcare directive or your power of attorney healthcare, this is um, number one thing is succession. Who are you going to want to choose to pull the plug on mom or dad? Ideally, it's someone with a healthcare background. That's the ideal. Do you choose one or do you choose all two or three of your kids? So the succession discussion needs to be here as well. Neil, any comments on a healthcare directive, succession, any tips there? I, I like the idea of having someone who has some medical background to it. Um, this is also a really hard thing to, to have on somebody's shoulders. So if you are planning on electing somebody to do this, you, you definitely want to have a conversation with them about what your wishes are. Because um, it's, it's a tough choice, especially if there's like a do not resuscitate um, and you're giving them full legal ability to make the decision on your behalf. That's a, that's a lot of pressure um, to put on anyone. And we've got some ideas about how to take that pressure off when we talk about the trigger clause. Um, as a matter of fact, let's go there now because if, if, you, if you leave that decision to um, your children – it's okay if the two spouses are alive because one spouse knows intuitively what to do there. But to put it on the kids, when one spouse dies, now you're talking about successor agents for your healthcare directive or your um, healthcare power of attorney. 
And when it comes to killing mom or dad, it's that is a biggie. So what we recommend on the trigger clause is, quote, when two doctors determine that I'm kept alive artificially, not when, and by the way, Utah has some of the worst healthcare directives. Um, their language says things that you would expect to see in a power of attorney, like you can pull the plug on me, Neil, when I no longer recognize you anymore, or when I no longer, or when I'm diagnosed with a terminal that I'm terminal. Forget the fact that I might hang around for 18 months, or you can pull the plug on me when I'm um, determined incompetent or something like that. No, you want to wait until two doctors say that um, I'm kept alive artificially. That just makes sense to me and to the clients that we talk to. So we recommend that they change that language because invariably, imagine, Neil, you pull the plug on mom or dad and then what, three months later, you see the you see on the news, the local news, there's uh, Mike Adams. He uh, sitting up in his hospital bed. He was in a coma for six months and he miraculously just healed. And what do you, what's the thought that goes through your mind? Oh, immediate guilt. It's just, yeah, you, I just you went too I, early. I just killed my mom. Yeah. So we don't want that. We want to make sure that the trigger clause language is crystal clear when two doctors determine that I'm kept alive artificially. Any comments on the trigger clause there? No, but I, I think it's important uh, what we're saying and, and, and what you've been articulating is you want to be very specific in all of these instructions because a lot of these documents will come back vague and ambiguous and leaves a lot of room for interpretation, which can put pressure on anyone who's now uh, set up to make those decisions on your behalf. So you want to be very specific in the trust and your powers of attorney and especially your medical directives, what your wishes are. So there's yep. a lot of uh, things you need to understand when it comes to trust, wills, powers of attorney, health care directives. The team at Decker Retirement are here to help walk you through that alongside the estate planning attorney and the like. It's 833-707-3030 is the number again. There's no cost for this. There's no pressure. They're here to help if they can. 833-707-3030 again is the number. 833-707-3030. We're headed to our final segment of today's Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. We're back right after this. Confused on when to take Social Security? Give Brian J. Decker a call at 833-707-3030. What if you ordered a pizza, but when you opened the box, a couple of pieces were missing? That would be upsetting, right? Now, think about how much you believe you have saved for retirement. Do you still owe taxes on that money? Brian Decker and his team at Decker Retirement Planning understand the importance of tax planning and can help you reduce the impact that Uncle Sam has on your retirement. Give them a call today to start working on your retirement tax plan. 833-707-2020. Now may be a great time to lower your future tax liability. Create a retirement plan today so that you can get as many slices of your retirement pie as possible. Call Brian at 833-707-2020 today and schedule a visit. That's 833-707-2020. Firm offers insurance services and may not give tax advice. Decker Retirement Planning Incorporated is a registered investment advisor in the state of Utah. You're listening to Safer Retirement Radio. If you like what you hear on today's show or have questions, drop by DeckerRetirementPlanning.com or call 833-707-3030 to talk to Brian. 
Welcome back to Safer Retirement Radio with Brian J. Decker and Neil Finning of Decker Retirement Planning. You can always go find out more about Brian, Neil, and the team just by going to the website, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. And of course, there are those 12 different things you can download under the heading of Safer Retirement Education, including Brian's book on retirement, the Decker Approach Book. Uh, But there's a lot of great information on the website as well, DeckerRetirementPlanning.com. Questions, you can always call the team. They're here to help if they can, 833-707-3030, 833-707-3030. And, you know, Brian and Neil, when you guys have been talking about the trust and powers of attorneys and healthcare directives, I decided I don't have enough money to even worry about all of that. That's what it comes down to, right? You've got to have money for this stuff to, to make a difference. Neil, what would you say to that? Because I I think that if you don't have a a bunch of cash, but you've got possessions that are valuable to you and you want them to go to the people that you want them to go to, would you rather have the state decide where you want your assets to go? Or do you want to make an effort to uh, decide? What would you say, Neil? Yeah, Mark, the the way you just said that got me a little riled. Um, No, you absolutely should, especially if there's complexity in the situation. Um, a bunch of beneficiaries, uh, and for power of attorney and medical directives, like that's regardless of money. Uh, you want to make sure that you're going to be taken care of based on what you want to do. Um, and trusts are also a great way to kind of dictate how you want your estate to to be distributed um, upon your passing. So I don't I don't think that uh, any sum of money really kind of determines um, setting up things in your future to to happen how you would like. Now, if you have no money, Mark, and no kids, then that's another thing. But the number one focus that Neil and I have in um, reviewing estate documents with attorneys for their clients, the number one thing is making sure that your children still talk to each other and have a relationship after you pass away. Many times, because of the instances we've talked about and the language that's in, especially the tangible asset distribution section of your trust, those are the reasons why your kids probably will never talk to each other again unless you fix that and have a clear directive on where you want your assets to go, you and your spouse. Unless that's clear and easily understood, there's going to be problems in the estate transfer process. I would think you're the perfect example of this, though, Brian, why all this is so important. With you and your wife each having three kids on their own, but then you have two together, that's one of those situations that could get really complicated if it wasn't spelled out, I would think. Oh, yeah. So my my wife's an angel. She And I'm just making Well, she's this already up. left for the pool boy and Joe Burrows during the show today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here's another thing. So if she says, Brian, I love your kids, your three kids. Um, I promise you to treat them like my own when you pass. So I die, and sh- and one of my sons ticks her off at the funeral. So she decides to cut them out uh, of the of the trust, and uh, that's one of the reasons why it becomes irrevocable when I die. By the way, Diane would never do that. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But that is kind of in today's world. I mean. Uh, you know, our grandparents didn't typically have two or three marriages, but today that's not uncommon. I would think this is where this becomes super important. Oh, yeah. Hey, there's one more thing we got to clean up in the healthcare directive, Mark, and that is, do you remember Terry Schiavo out of Florida years ago? Probably was that the one where the ago? husband said that my wife wants to be, wants the DNR, basically, and the parents are like, no? Yes. That, that one? And she, and they pulled the plug, the court the whole world, the whole country watched her die. It took her 15 days, no food, no, no artificial hydration or nutrition. She suffered. And one of the things that we make sure is in the healthcare directive is comfort measures, 
half of the documents that we look at, Neil and I, don't have comfort measures in there. That means drugs, morphine. You, you do not want to suffer when they pull the plug on you. Yeah, you might be unconscious, but your body is going to be feeling intense pain after day two or three when you've got no artificial hydration, no nutrition. Well, well that's great. And then the DNR is there. Well, you're going to suffer until you pass away unless you're made comfortable. And the language that needs to be in there is that you want pain medication, quote, even if it hastens my death. So it, we're all over the DNR part. We're all over the no high artificial hydration and nutrition, but we want to make sure that you don't have to suffer. Neil, what are your comments on that? I think you're absolutely right. And that's, a, that's another thing is you want to be specific in what you want to happen, because if you leave it open-ended like that with, with Terry Schiavo, then who's going to make the call to say, I think that it makes sense to, to, to hasten this process so she doesn't have to suffer for as long as she did. Yeah. So um, when it comes to the other estate document topics, Neil, what are, I just, uh, when I, tell me some stories, some interactions, some client reactions that you've had when you've taken them through the estate document process. And uh, for me, it, it comes into a couple of different categories, Neil. One is how easy it was to ha help them put it all together with their attorney or with the online uh, documents. They they didn't have it. They wanted to have it. They meant to get around to it. And we help uh, as part of the process that we have, the complete process that we have uh, with the planning that we do. One of them is to address their estate documents. You know what cracks me up, Neil, is... Um, this is this will make you smile as soon as I tell you this. Oh, you don't have to worry about that. Best attorneys in Seattle put these documents together. How often do you hear that, Neil? Yeah, and then you read the documents and you're like, do you know what's going to happen in the situation? No. Well, yeah, neither would the person that this goes to because there's nothing that says what the next steps are. Or it's 600 pages and it's really complicated. I mean... Um, so some, some of the attorneys, and we work with them, um, some of the attorneys are like uh, artists with their estate documents. They pride themselves on how many pages that they can produce in their estate doc. We just want to make sure that their children can read and understand um, and, and go through the instructions in their estate documents. So simplicity is important. Neil, how many times um, has someone said, uh, I've got a trust and uh, and then your question is, well, have you funded it? <laughs> have you funded it? And what do they have say? I, have I have you funded it? Or let me see that. And it's uh, it's just a will that you're like this doesn't have any of the specifications. Right. Um, yeah, that that happens actually a lot. And um, funding it, it's it's one of those things. It's it's an it's an additional process you have to go through. Um, retitling the accounts, retitling the properties uh, into the trust so that there isn't in, you know, an estate process through the state. It just immediately um, is a part of your estate in that trust. It happens a lot. Or the third category, Neil, that cracks me up is they'll bring in their estate documents and they'll blow uh, a layer of dust off it. And you find out that they haven't looked at it in 20 years and their uncles and aunts have passed away that were their successor trustees or successor agents. I was about to say, yeah, if you haven't updated that in a while, that successor agent may or may not still be around. 
Yeah. So ideally, when it comes to successor trustees, successor agents, ideally it's your kids. If you don't have kids or if your kids, you don't want them in that position, then Neil great, you gave some great advice about um, having a younger, like someone in their 30s that's a CPA or an attorney that would fill that void. Um, some people uh, make a big deal about their dog and cat. That's another thing that cracks me up. <laughs> who, who was it, Mark? Do you remember, who was that lady in uh, New York that she was worth uh, over a billion and uh, she had a cat that was the sole beneficiary of her estate? Do you remember that? And then didn't part of that estate go to the Humane Society or something for the cat group or I don't know, something like that. It was crazy. Yeah, people love their animals. I guess at the end of the day, and we got just a minute and a half left, at the end of the day, if you love your family, do all of this, and if you hate your family, do nothing. <laughs> yeah, because if you do nothing, Neil, what do you think is going to happen to a couple that die intestate? I I mean, if if nothing happens, the state gets to dictate those decisions for you, which ultimately ends up just burning their through your assets because the state is reasonably compensated for their actions. Um, or if you do have beneficiaries, uh, they're going to squabble. And then you end up with a situation where now family members aren't talking to each other uh, or they come into the office and try to compete for the assets on who's going to take them over. And you're like, what does the trust say? It's, it's definitely not a great process without some dictation there. So we make sure that clients have their estate documents. And then not only do we help them fund their trust, but we make sure that as, as time goes on and as changes to their beneficiaries and change to their agent successor uh, responsibilities happen, that we update those. So we were talking about the estate planning process, right? The trust, the wills, the powers of attorney, the healthcare directives, and all of that. Well, the safer retirement process that Brian and Neil will walk you through at Decker Retirement is much more than that. It's income planning, it's investment strategies, tax-efficient strategies, healthcare, long-term care, legacy estate planning, Social Security's in the income part, Medicare's in the healthcare part. That's a lot of moving pieces. And so we just took one portion of that safer retirement process really and talked about it the last couple of weeks. All of this is super important because you, you can't retire without income, so you need an income plan. Investments. Ooh, the, the stock market is really getting trashed right now. My bonds are terrible. What do I do? What are my options? There's just a lot of moving pieces. We know taxes are probably going up in the very near future. The, the 2018 tax or 2017 tax cuts, jobs acts or whatever it was, 2018 ends at the end of 2025 and in 2026 we revert back to the 17 rates and brackets. So there are, taxes are going up. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Brian and Neil and the team at Decker Retirement are here to help walk you through all of that. 833-707-3030 is the number again. No cost to chat with the team at Decker Retirement. 833-707-3030. Again, one more time, 833-707-3030. Brian, Neil, enjoyed our time. Uh, Brian, I'll chat with you again next week. You guys uh, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Mark, always good talking to you. Decker Retirement Planning offers insurance services. Investing involves risk, including the potential loss of principal. Any references to protection, safety, or lifetime income generally refer to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the financial strength and claims paying abilities of the issuing carrier. This radio show is intended for informational purposes only. It is not intended to be used as the sole basis for financial decisions, nor should it be construed as advice designed to meet the particular needs of an individual's situation. Decker Retirement Planning 
opinion is not permitted to offer and no statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions contained herein provided by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. That accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed by Decker Retirement Planning. This radio show is a paid placement.